Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, before I started Gooder, I had this company called Black Celebrity Giving, which I'm actually going to revamp. And I would work, as you can guess, with black celebrities. Um, worked with a host of celebrities. So I started Futures Foundation, um, Candy Burris, so many more. And I would help them do their community giving, right? So defining their giving blueprint. And what I realized is I was extremely busy around Christmas, Thanksgiving, and back to school. Like, that's when everybody wanted to do something. And then throughout the rest of the year, I would kind of just be void of work. And so I started an initiative called Sunday Soul, and I started going out and feeding people right here in downtown Atlanta every two weeks that were homeless. And started then taking it to senior homes and just feeding in senior homes. And mind you, I was just taking donations, using my own money, couponing, price matching, cooking all the food, going out, feeding 500 people every two weeks, you know, coming back, cleaning up my kitchen. So this process would take me like 40 hours every single, every other week to do this. And so a video from one of my pop-up restaurants that I would host went viral on Facebook. And I woke up one morning, thousands of comments, friend requests, views, and, you know, millions of views later, I'm reading through the comments one day and people are saying, oh, this is so amazing. Who donates the food? And the reality was like, nobody. And I'm like, dang, like, it would make a lot more sense if I could get this food donated so that I wouldn't have to cook it and price match and go to five and six different grocery stores. And that's just a simple Google search. You know, what happens to extra food at the end of the night from restaurants? I stumbled across food waste. And I'm like, I really quite honestly got upset because I'm like, dang, like all this food, 72 billion pounds of food is going to waste. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, taking $5 donations here and there, 
trying to feed, you know, hundreds of people. And at the same time, these businesses are throwing away all this food. And I think that's really where that first initial idea kind of came from. So the the Soul uh, Sundays was an idea at first, and then it moved into Soul Restaurant, Soul Sunday Restaurant. Yeah, and you know, the reason why I did that is because people would sometimes be lined around the block, mm-hmm. I mean, hours in line for like an hour and a half, two hours sometimes yeah. to eat. And I always used to let women and children go first. And one time this man, you know, there was a little argument I noticed kind of at the line. I think he was arguing with somebody and I went back and I was like, no, sir, you know, I've been cooking for three days. I promise you there's more than enough food for everybody. And he really checked me. and He said, you know, I've been waiting in line for almost an hour. If I don't eat today, you know, I don't know when I'm going to eat again because no Nobody ever comes out here during the week. So, you know, I was out there on Sundays and I just started thinking like, dang, like how often do I wait for like an hour and 30 minutes to get food? Like never. Right. Like if it's I can't get a reservation, I'll go to a different restaurant. Like I really rarely would ever wait someplace and stand up an hour and 30 minutes to get a plate. And then I realized I wasn't giving them a place to sit down. You know, I just wasn't doing it right. I was doing it from the heart, but I could do it better. And so then I started renting tables and chairs and linens, and I would make these little menus and print it out and let people kind of sit down and dine with dignity. So yeah, I love that. Like I love that. A restaurant. Yeah. And then if we were on a wait, you know, I'd be yeah. like, come back in 30 minutes. And the thing is, Everything was ready. So the food came out really quickly, but it was a five-course meal. But to start with an appetizer, soup or a salad, um, I'm sorry, soup and salad, mm-hmm. then an entree, two side items, and desserts. And, I mean, people loved it. Like, I had to send you guys some pictures and yeah. videos. It, it just was huge. And so the first one I ever did went viral. And the rest was history. Yeah, when, I, when I was reading your story, it was, like, kind of aligned because that's kind of what we were doing in the summer with our kids. Uh, we would go to uh, my church because we had a homeless outreach and we would feed the homeless every Saturday. And it was like the feeling of giving is just like incredible. And like watching the kids be fulfilled by it made it even better. And their thing was like, yo, can we do this again? Can we do this again? And when you said that phrase, dying with dignity, it was like, that's it. Because nobody in that room ever expects to be in that room. Exactly. You know, and one of the things I like to, I used to always do with Sunday souls is I always had options, you know, and I, and I've had to check my mom friends because they'll say things like, Oh, you know, they're homeless. You can feed them anything. And I would be like, no, you know, your homelessness is just something that you're going through. Right. Just like hunger is something you're going through. You're not always going to be homeless. You're not always going to be hungry, but you could lose your job. You know, businesses could close. I mean, look what we're seeing happening right now with coronavirus. And I always would have, you know, a beef option, a pork option, a fish option. And I mean, people used to, people have religious convictions. They had dietary restrictions mm-hmm. and that level of just giving people dignity. Like, yeah. what would you like? Not just here's a sandwich that I made for you, but like, what would you like? And that is why I think, I mean, people used to come. I had a family. I'll never forget. There was like six kids. They had a house, but they would, they used to have to sell their food stamps to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. And they would get on the martyr and they knew I would be out there and they would come and get food for the kids and get like extra to go plates. Like that's how busy and how popular it had got that families were starting to come through. And I mean, maybe like a year or two after that, like two chains ended up getting them a house for the family to live in. Oh, wow. So just like that, you know, just to see how it all kind of turned around. But they used to sell their food stamps to pay their rent get on the bus with all their kids just to come down because they had options for their kids. Yeah, there should never be a choice between food or bills. Like, yeah. that, that's crazy. And everybody, that's the, that's what you said. I mean, that's a critical choice that everybody makes. Yeah. I'm gonna pay. And then what we find is food always goes first. Because people could say like, oh, I could go without food. Or what they do is the parents, the adult, will go without food. 
And I've had tons of friends. I, I mean, I think Jeezy even was talking about it in an interview. Like, he used to see his mom, like, split a cheeseburger between him and I think his sister, whoever his other sibling was. And just, like, if you guys think back to that, like, I don't recall being hungry, but, you know, I'm pretty sure my parents, our parents could have been hungry just to see us have. Yeah. I think that happens a lot. Yeah, we hear those stories all the time. It made me think of the line, like, most when, uh, was it Seagull? Said most nights they sleep for dinner. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like that's crazy. Or you think of you know Meek Mill talking about oodles and noodle kids. I mean that's so many. I have a program right now in Atlanta. If you guys are still here, y'all should come out every weekend. I feed um, in this community. It's called Forest Cove. It's probably one of the the most destitute communities I've ever seen. And you know I I've, I've been doing this work for over a decade. Um, but a lot of the buildings roofs are off and everything else. And we'll feed the kids and you know. They will will have excess food for them to take home, and they just always want the noodles. They always want like, you know, we try and give them green beans and like mashed potatoes. And they don't ever like that. They don't like it because it's just they haven't had it. So like, we're we're out there every single week, really trying to push this on them for them to have like healthy food and healthy access. But so many kids go without, and for for kids and children of color, which is why it's super important for me to be in this position and trying to do what I'm doing with Gooder. You know, people like us have to solve the problems. Too long, you know, people write the statistics, they get all the money, they get all the grants, and they're solving problems that they never experienced before. Whereas I have friends, I have family members that have been hungry. I know, I mean, very few people that don't look like me are going to go into Forest Cove, you know, a Section 8 housing community where, you know, there are drugs, there's crime, and really try and get to those children. But that's who gets all the money. You know, that's, I mean, billions and billions of dollars is spent in grants. You know, at the start of COVID, Jeff Bezos gave $100 million to Feed in America. And it's not to say that Feeding America, you know, doesn't serve a purpose, but they've been around since the 70s. They've gotten billions and billions of dollars doing the same thing. You know, just give, you know, having food banks, giving food to nonprofits, and it's always just whatever is donated. And then they end up giving people, you know, peanut butter, no jelly, spaghetti, noodles, no spaghetti sauce. And people can't make a meal from what, what it is that they receive. And so what I've tried to do with Gooder is actually get people meals. Or if nothing else, if I'm giving them groceries, everything that they're getting in that grocery bag is going to make a meal. They're going to get a taco kit. They're going to get, you know, peanut butter and jelly yeah. and bread, like the things that they would actually need. And it's it's a hard, you know, curve to get around because, unfortunately, I sometimes think people want to pacify hunger rather than solve it because if you solve hunger, then there's no more $100 million donations. Mm. Let me ask you this. Because, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting as far as, like I said, I don't think people realize how much food gets thrown away. Yeah. Um, before I even ask that question, I just want to make that point because it's like in New York, uh, there's two million rats. <laughs> we just researched Is that. that. It? I'm joking. Yeah, you know what? We we speaking of hunk, we'll get into that. Two million rats. Yeah. So here's how that Is comes that about. Is that the city or the state? That's in New York City. This okay. came about. We wow. were at an establishment. We'll leave their name anonymous, and they were closing their doors, and they were like. We're like, yo, y'all closing. I know y'all going to throw the food away. This is like before we knew that we were going to do this. And uh, he was like, yeah, we're going to throw the food away. He was like, yo, we'll, we'll just buy some more for you right now. And um, the conversation got brought up like, yo, you know what's happening in the city since the restaurants are closed? Like the mice have nowhere to go. So they're just like doing all that out in the streets. They're eating each other. And so <laughs> I came up with a number that was wrong. Oh, I'm saying that on tapes, folks. Uh, that was wrong. And I was like, yo, the city has this many rats. So we looked it up, and it was two million rats in New York what? City. Yeah, because oh he, he said it was I definitely actually, have seen quite a few rats when I've been in New York City. <laughs> a, there's, 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 two million different. is a number well, I was not expecting. It was actually a bet. Because <laughs> <laughs> what? There's 16 million people in New York. Well, there's eight. eight so there's eight. Almost nine million. There's eight. Nine million. So there's 
almost like for what? every twenty five percent of the population. Okay, so for every rat, there's like four people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, it was it was a wager that um, Troy <laughs> Troy told me that there was more rats than people in New York. So I just found that hard to believe. So we googled it and we we realized that it was two million, but it's still a lot. That's so, a lot. So I say that to say so that's more than the city of Boston. That's crazy. Yeah, there's, there's, two, crazy. there's two million rats in New York. So what, what what's happening is that you know. There's a lot of restaurants in New York City, obviously. So at the end of the night, they throw they throw the food in like you know the trash, or they just throw it in the alleyways and all that. So what happened is that it's created a whole ecosystem for rats to eat. Like they know what time the food is going to go, and they eat the food on the streets. Uh, But once COVID hit, all the restaurants closed. So now they had videos of rats actually turning um, to cannibals, and they was actually eating each other because there was no food for them to eat, and it just got so desperate, like they was starving to death. And some of them actually, like they showed, like there's a videos online, they actually eating each other. You know, I gotta go watch these tonight. That is the craziest thing. Yeah. So, so I say that to say, I mean, you got a whole, like, you know. System that animals are actually. I mean, thriving off of. something. You know, I'd rather the food go to an animal, even if it's a rat, right? Gooder, we take X. Our, our number one thing is hunger first, right? So our goal is to get anything that's edible and give that to someone that can actually eat it before it ever makes it to landfill. You not only did you you turn this into an actual business, and you've enlightened me that it's not a nonprofit; it's a. B Corp. Corp. Yeah. All right. Can you just explain what a B Corp is for people? Yeah. So B Corp basically means for profit, for good. It's super hard to become a certified B Corp. It took us over a year. And basically it just, they check everything. So like who, who our vendors are kind of making sure that we're an ethical company. So um, for me, the reason why I turned this into, and I, and I have years of experience in nonprofits. I've started hundreds of nonprofits for some of the top celebrities. So it wasn't hard for me to think I could just turn this into a nonprofit. But why I chose to make it actually a business is because the businesses, these restaurants, whoever, they were already paying a waste management bill. So they were already paying to throw the food away. So that was very easy. It was a clear distinction for me to understand. Okay, listen, they're paying somebody to throw the food away. Then I went and I started looking at the waste industry. It's a trillion, trillion dollar industry. And then nobody ever, it never goes away. Like have us, all of us have been playing, our parents have been paying a trash bill for forever. Every restaurant, every business pays a trash bill. So my idea was we would essentially be a food waste management company. We would focus on the food waste. And so we would help businesses come up with better uses for their excess food. And so, you know, they didn't have to throw it in landfill. They didn't have to, you know, let rats eat it. We could help them. And so we started with edible food and then we started composting. We have hog farms. We actually have um, worms that we feed food waste to that produces fertilizer that makes the soil better. So as we grow more fruit and vegetables, it's healthier for all of us. And now we have a partnership with uh, Southern Power where we're actually taking food waste and we could turn it into energy. We're mm. trying to really get into to that more. So the idea is to keep it out of landfill because food waste is the number one. Sorry, it's not one of the leading causes. Number three uh, cause of global climate change. Okay. I was I was just going to get into that because that's one of the things that you stress is like this is not just a health issue. This is a social issue. It's an economic issue and it's an environmental. One hundred percent. So when when we would and this is true um, when you're talking about how kids like one out of five go to bed hungry. How that affects their learning. Yeah. Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah. And I think, you know, I always have to, as a black woman, I always have to say for black and brown children. So this is, you know, mostly Hispanic, even Native American as well. 
um, and black children, we are like one in three, one in four. So it's it's a lot worse. And so what happens is it's, it's this vicious cycle that never gets broken. And what we think is, you know, well, we give children free breakfast and lunch at school. Now look at this. All these schools are closed. And so think of how many children are like at home or were at home during the summer that were really dependent on free breakfast and lunch at school. Um, that happens. Then we got to think that, you know, there are parents that are working. And so even when these kids get home, sometimes they don't get a hot meal. They have cereal for dinner or, you know, they have cereal for all these meals now. And what ends up happening is in 27 states in the United States, they measure test scores of children in third, fifth and 10th grade. And you know what they start to decide is if those kids are going to go to prison or not. So it's really a school to prison pipeline. And so they're like, oh, you know, Johnny's not reading well. He's more likely to go to prison. We're going to need another prison bed for him. Or Susan is, you know, not doing well in math. But what they never look at is hunger. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I always use the the uh, Snickers commercial, like you're not yourself when you're hungry. And that is so true because so many kids, they've never been their true selves. And so, you know, they are constantly hungry. And so they're always playing catch up. They get free breakfast at school. Well, they didn't eat dinner last night. Yeah. So then the breakfast is replacing the dinner. Okay, the lunch comes and replaces the breakfast. And so the kid is hungry. You know, they're sitting in class and they're hungry. They're wondering when their next meal is going to come from. And it's even worse for the older siblings. I know you said you have children, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the older kid always is looking out for the younger one. So now you're 12 and you've got like a five-year-old and a seven-year-old little brother. And you're wondering how you're going to eat, how they're going to eat. And no teacher could teach through hunger. And so what we have is this vicious cycle of kids not eating, but then people still expecting them to learn and, and sit in class and be quiet and be still and just, you know, you're not yourself when you're hungry. And that's the, the biggest thing is like, we've got to get kids food. So our program that I just launched, Neighborhood Eats, we do, um, we serve lunch on Saturdays, a hot lunch on Saturday, a hot meal to go. Then we give the kids a snack pack that has like three meals and 12 snacks and three drinks in it for Sunday. So even though we're not physically there on Sunday, they get this. It has like last week's it had a chicken biscuit, Pop-Tarts, orange juice, um, a granola bar, and a Go-Gurt. So that was like their breakfast. That sounds like my breakfast. Yeah, so it's a good <laughs> breakfast, right? And then for lunch, they had like a little cheeseburger um, that they have to microwave, chips, like cookies, goldfish, applesauce. And then for dinner, I think it was like a, you know, like the little Chef Boyardee cups of like lasagna. Um, and then it has, you know, like carrots and ranch dressing. Um, you know, fruit snacks, and then we give them like one piece of candy just because we want them to want the box and they'll really take it for the candy too. And then we give them the drinks so that kids will come out and I mean, they love those snack packs. We almost have to force them to eat the hot meal first, but that's what they want because it's like stuff that they know, but we are filling this gap for these kids where maybe they wouldn't ever get a meal on the weekend. Yeah, those are the socioeconomic factors that most people in education, especially the one like I was working in inner city for eight years. People forget that part. Yeah. They forget all the factors and all the, the baggage that comes when the kids get to school. Um, but from a social standpoint, um, I know you talk about how uh, hunger and the lack of food affects the crime rate. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, one of the things I gave a whole TED talk on this, you know, so many people, if you really start, I remember I was watching, um, there was a show on BET and I think it was called Trap Queens. And I was, <laughs> I was watching it and it was about these young women that were in jail. And one of them, she was saying like, you guys, you know, you don't know, you know, she was like the way I grew up, she grew up in Tampa, Florida. And she was talking about her and her, her sisters, them going and stealing change out of wishing wells and trying to put this money together just to go and get a burger or a Whopper from Burger King, like that level of like people doing whatever they got to do to eat. And one of my good friends, Don um, from LA, he's an older guy. I think Don might he might almost be 60 now, but he told me, he was like, Jasmine, you know, I used to have to snatch people's purses when I was eight in Ohio just to eat like that level of just like, I don't have like desperation. You know, no. what, what do people do when they're, when they're desperate? 
And that's, you know, going back to Beanie Siegel, he raffed about that, yeah. right? You know, pressure busts pipes. People, when you're desperation, you want your kids to eat and you want people to have something. It's just like, there's no telling what you're going to do. When you starve and you so, eat. <laughs> yeah, there's no telling what you're going to do. Yeah. So it does, it does, you know, so much so. There were so many crimes committed. So many people were stealing food from Walmart that now Walmart has a rule that I think if you steal less than $25, they just ban you from the store. They don't even call the cops. But there was just so many people stealing meat and just like it was happening so much. You know, you, you give everybody those charges. It just becomes a lot of charges and just, yeah. you know, the police are coming out all the time. So that it's a real, real crime, but people get desperate. You know, people, a mom has $25 to her name. She's got a kid and she's got a baby. You know, what costs $25? Infamil. And so it's like, gosh, can I get my kid Infamil? And can I feed my other kid who doesn't drink Infamil? Like it's just so many crimes happen let because of ask, people being hungry. Let me ask you this on the business side. So you talked about um, B Corp, but can you just explain like what a B Corp is for yeah. people? Because you know you said like you said Baskin and Robbins is a B Corp or Ben and Jerry's. Uh, ben and Jerry's, ben and Jerry's yeah. Patagonia, Shea Moisture is one. Um, so really, it's just it's 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 no different than a regular corporation. So you know you still pay taxes, but it just means that you are certified that your business has ethical principles. So you're not using child labor. You're getting your supplies from the U.S. like that kind of level of just. But it basically means for profit, for good. It, so at the end of it, you, and what it means, what B means is benefit. So you're like a public benefit corporation. So that gooder, we operate for the benefit of public good. So we're not just for ourselves. If we get a customer and we get them to give us our give us their food, you know, we give that food back to the community. So we're we're benefiting the community okay. in our actions. But the, the tax structure, and everything, is still the tax same. structure is still the same. So like there's and it's in B corps are only recognized. I want to say in like seven states. Okay. Delaware is one of them. But gooder is like a Delaware C corp, and we're a foreign entity in Georgia. We're, we're a C-Corp here as well. So we still pay corporate taxes. Okay. But we are recognized as a certified So you incorporated in Delaware. Yeah, I, I incorporated in Delaware early on. Tax because benefits. I knew, tax benefits, and I knew I was going to be trying to get investors. And so that's just kind of the best way. Any, I think anybody that's in venture capital will tell you to incorporate in Delaware. Yeah. I mean, I almost have heard people that were, were incorporated in other states, and then they went out to raise venture capital, and then they got incorporated in Delaware. You incorporate in Delaware, you have like a P.O. box out there? Mm, I don't even have a P.O. box out there. Yeah, anybody can incorporate in Delaware. And then I'm a foreign entity in Georgia. I have an office out here. So it's a, it's a for-profit business, but how do you make money if the restaurant's like giving you food? Like, can you explain the business model? Absolutely. So we charge a volume-based fee-for-service on our composting or our organics recycling as well as our surplus food recovery. Remember, they're already paying to throw the food away. So they're already, they're not paying us, they're paying waste management, they're paying Republic Solid. So we charge them based on how much food we're recovering and how often. And we have a sliding scale. So Gooder is very asset light. We don't own a lot of vehicles. We literally have one vehicle in all of, and we're in nine states now, we have one vehicle, but our partners are like Rody, Omni Logistics, Postmates. So these are our drivers. So depending on how much food is being picked up, that determines the customer's price. We've done a lot of case studies. So like on a low end, a pickup for gooder could be $50. On a high end, it could be 1000 So you're not, you're not targeting restaurants. We target restaurants in a lot of locations. So we want to target like this one restaurant on this street. We like to target like an airport with 100 restaurants, a mm. mall with 30 restaurants. Because okay. um, I, I was going to say like your regular mom and pop, they just throwing food in the garbage. Yeah. But you're talking about like a... Or we like franchises too. Okay. So like we would, we've been doing some pilots with some pretty large franchises um, and the goal is like all of, you know, Wendy's, for example, says 
you know what, we're going to be zero waste. None of our stores are throwing away food. We're going to be committed to our communities across the country. And then now there's this gooder services available to all Wendy's owners and operators. Because it's, it's like part of their franchise when, fee. When I used to go to school in Hawaii, and what happens with grocery stores that people don't know is that, you know, when you have like an expiration date, you got to throw the food away. But even before that expiration date, when the expiration date doesn't always mean the food is like not eatable. It's usually the sell-by date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's sell-by date. But, so long story short, they got to get rid of that food. So, like where I lived, it was like student housing. Like, a, like a, it was like apartments, but it was like mostly students. So, they used to come like every Wednesday and they would just drop off like all of the food that... That, that was um, great. Yeah. So they so didn't throw it away. They didn't throw it they away. They, they gave it to us. So, it was like bread, um, yogurt, milk, stuff like that. Did you guys see Tiger King? Yes. You want to see that? No. Did you see... It was, so it Did was you see a, Tiger King? Uh, I heard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it. Yeah, you were yeah. one of the only people. So yeah, you gotta yeah, watch yeah. Tiger King, but you saw it, so you'll know. Yeah. There was a there was a one of the episodes they showed like how Walmart was bringing all the food to them, and his workers would go through the food first and kind of like pick out the food like that. So much of the food is just like you said; it's like it has a sell by date on it. For example, the power goes out, they throw everything out in the freezer and cool cooler section, like everything, like right away. So as soon as even if the power goes out for like twenty minutes, now the food is all there. They have to clear the shelves, and so this it's not bad because you know you could it could take you twenty minutes to get home from the grocery store. So for us. We try and get the food fast. This is why we use these logistics partners. So the food gets picked up, say, from this Walmart, and we will have a network of nonprofits in any city that we're at, thousands of nonprofits, and we would match, we built an algorithm that matches the donation with the closest nonprofit. And so the food would get delivered really fast. So then if it can get to be frozen, and a lot of times, especially with meat, you go to any grocery store, Publix is notorious for it here in Atlanta, but you go to any grocery store like around 8 o'clock, and you'll see like these meat managers just filling up these carts of meat that they're going to throw away. And I get mad at that because, you know, you guys, our grandmothers would freeze anything, mm-hmm. right? Freeze it. Like, I mean, just freeze something for forever. And a lot of times if you look at the meat, it will say sell or freeze by. So when they throw it away, it makes no sense because they could also freeze it yeah. and just give it to a nonprofit the very next day. And then it's like... It's perfectly good food, but they throw it away. All the rotisserie chickens, I feel like something like 1.5 million rotisserie chickens are wasted a week in America. So you think of every grocery store you go to, they have all those chickens in the deli counter. Like whatever is on that hot bar, they throw away every night. Every grocery store, whatever's on the hot bar. So Publix, I'll use them again as an example. Or, you know, Kroger's, all that stuff, the wings, the, the fried chicken, whatever they make, all that gets thrown away. The rotisserie chickens, all that gets thrown away. And that stuff upsets me because that's like somebody's meal right then and there. So Gooder needs to be in more places. Um, The liability, people always say like, oh, well, if they donated and someone gets sick, you know, could they sue us? In America, there's been a law since 1996 under President Bill Clinton called the Good Samaritan Act that really protects businesses Mm -hmm. from liability with donating something in good faith. So businesses, that's not even an excuse anymore. And there's actually a lot of policy and stuff that's actually coming in into play in states like New York and states like California, who, you know, the carbon dioxide and all the methane gas that's leading in the environment because of so much food waste is becoming a problem. Um, They are actually making businesses have to find other ways to divert their food waste yes. instead of just throwing it away. So the PATH Act, I was going to get into that. The yeah. PATH Act, is that part of that initiative? PATH Act is new. That was under um, Obama, so that's 2012. And so the PATH Act actually gives these businesses enhanced incentives for donating the food. So they can write off two times the cost. So if it costs them a dollar, they can write off $2 if they donate it. 
So like the businesses could actually be essentially receiving money and like $40 billion a year and tax credits just goes wasted from these businesses. So a lot of it is just educating them on it and then, you know, just getting past all like the layers of like legal. Uh, but other countries are doing it and they're very successful. In Denmark, there's a whole grocery store called Food for All where they get all this food from all these grocery stores and then they just people can pay what they can. So it's illegal to waste food. France, businesses could be fined up to, I want to say it's like 10,000 euro for each occurrence of wasting food, which is a lot of money. I think 10,000 euro is probably like 12,000 here, almost 11,000. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. Backdrop.